You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. This episode of Sacks in the Basement and every episode of Sacks in the Basement brought to you by Cork and Carry at the Park, 33rd in Princeton in the shadow of the ballpark with an award-winning menu of burgers and ballpark favorites. Go see Gino two-for-one on Tuesdays with those burgers. And uh, do not forget about the rotation of craft beers, familiar favorites, spirits, and wines. And the other location over at 1614 Southwestern Avenue, the traditional Irish bar in the Beverly neighborhood. See more at CorkandCarry.com. How was... Your awards. That's a that's a weird way to say it. You can tell that I've had a long holiday season. How was your 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 Christmas weekend, my friend? My Christmas weekend was good. <laughs> it, it was it was good. It was uh, you know, um, Christmas goes every year kind of how I expect it to go, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It just right. it, you know it, it, at this point, I, I'm I, I kind of miss the the wonder of Christmas as a kid when you were looking for something like there's gonna be a real surprise under the tree for you or you know, you, you sort of had that magical feeling like my Christmas tree this year, my kids only decorated up to like the top third of it. And we never got around to putting any ornaments on the top third. Like the star was there, but there was nothing underneath it for about a good, you know, nine to 12 inches of tree. Well, they're short. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and they didn't. And, and my wife was with them when they decorated. She's also not the tallest, so they couldn't reach. <laughs> But, I you know, see. half my neighborhood doesn't have their lights on. It, it was, it was just, but it was still, it was nice. Like the kids were in a good mood. They were super excited. They were happy with everything. You know, went to a couple of family parties and everybody was happy and, and having a good time. And that's all you can ask for, right? I got, I got to see what it, what it's going to be like now here in the future. Uh, now that, uh, you know, we're going through the divorce over here and I've had the kids basically the whole time. And then, and then they have my daughter just kind of step up with everything she did over the weekend. I mean, everything from baking cookies to like, she surprised me with a few things uh, for the holidays. There was, you know, things in the stocking that I didn't expect her to go do. I told her, I'm like, you need a better job for the money you spent on Christmas trying to make dad happy, you know, and, and fill a role that really I don't expect you to fill. But she's 18 and she's, you know, trying to take over here. You know, like she's like, all right, I'm going to do all the stuff to make sure it's a good holiday for my two younger brothers and make sure my dad is happy. You know, like she had special Christmas pajamas worked out with my mother for me. Like all these, all these little things she stepped up and did. And I thought it was really sweet what she did. And I think we had a, a really good holiday and, and everybody was, you know, happy with family. And when I got to the end of it, I collapsed and slept a lot. I think I'm on like something like 16 hours of sleep right now. Like I've had too much sleep. I don't know what to do with myself, the amount of sleep that I've had leading into this show. I, I, I wish I had that problem of too much sleep, but okay, you know, Merry Christmas to you on that one. I, I collapsed midway through the day yesterday on Christmas and then just did some sleeping and then was moved from the couch to the bed and I continued my sleeping. That's, it, was, it was just, it all came out at once. I think I got to the end of the holiday season. It was like, I, I made it, I survived, I did everything I needed to do and the body gave out on me. So now I'm, I'm wide awake. It's called parental decompression. Yes, yes. And right. I'm wide awake and I'm looking at this week and I'm saying, come on, White Sox, do something. Like, that's where I'm at at this point. Like, I'm seeing Kevin Kiermaier get over $10 million for a year to go play some baseball and play defense in, in, in the outfield. I'm like, all right, we're going to have to go out and sign in a right fielder because I don't want to see Gavin Sheets. We're going to have to figure out uh, a deal here at some point. Like, I, I saw what they asked for reportedly from the Reds for Dylan Cease, and some people are saying that's way too much. I don't know. 
I was uh, I was okay with that ask. My only problem with that ask, there was a lot of pitching in there, and I don't know why they need pitching because it feels like they got a lot of young arms and they added to that at the deadline that just this past season. So they should be looking for position players, and they should be looking to bolster their minor league system and those guys that are right there, ready, on the cusp, ready to get going and be at the major league level at, say, second base and you know, and, and other maybe other infield positions and possibly in the corner of the outfield. And like, like that's what I want to see. Defense and hitting, far more than I want to see more arms. Now, they had a little bit of that in the reported ask that they were that they had for the Reds for Dylan Cease that the Reds were like oh that's way too high of a price but one I didn't think it was a high price and and my, again my only concern was a lot of pitching in there do they really need that much pitching well I got two thoughts on this so so try and follow along on both of them for a second here one is that I think sometimes you give a ridiculous ask to a team where you don't really like the guys you're getting back not that they dislike them not that they're bad players and I don't want to get into an argument whether or not they're good or bad but when you're not getting exactly what you want, you ask for quantity, okay, as opposed to just asking for quality. So some of that may be just looking at the Reds going, I, I'm i not sold, and honestly, I'm not sold on Reds pitching prospects either because they haven't exactly been flush with guys coming up and really proving themselves in the bigs, okay? Here, let me let me read what way they had, because then if anybody missed the names, right, yeah, it, I, the I think that's interesting. So what the, the supposedly what the White Sox were asking for Dylan Cease was Rhett Lauder, who is the number two prospect in the Reds organization, right-handed pitcher, who's an A-ball. And he is a right-handed pitcher, number two guy on their pipeline list, on MLB pipeline. Chase Petty, who's also a pitching prospect, he's the sixth highest prospect in their system in AA. They got him from the Twins, Right-handed pitcher, right. And then also Edwin Arroyo, who is their third best prospect, who's an infielder, shortstop is his listed position in AA. Okay, he's their third best on MLB pipeline. Connor Phillips, who is a right-handed pitcher and their fourth best prospect, who is expected to be able to pitch in the majors this year, right-handed pitcher. And then possibly another prospect. And that's the report that came out. And what you're talking about, the the ask was essentially we want your number two, your number three, your number four, your number six, and possibly somebody else in there if you want Dylan Cease. And that is a lot of names. But I don't know if those names and those positions match up with what the White Sox really want. So you're right. Maybe it was just we're going to ask for something ridiculous. And if you're willing to give it to us, then I guess we'll make this trade. Yeah, if you're willing to give it to us, holy cow, look at what I did, okay? Look at this bounty I got where I'm not just relying on give me two of your top five prospects and then we'll call it a day no matter what they are. So he's asking for for quantity there over potentially quality because it's not exactly what he wants. Now, the other thing I will say about asking pitching back, though, is that I do kind of agree with them trying to get pitching because the one thing that this organization has not done, and I mean in ages has not done this if ever in the jerry reinstorf regime which makes zero sense to me by the way because you have an owner who will not give major league level contracts to top starting pitchers okay this organization should on every level have way more pitchers than they know what to do with okay they should have depth on depth on depth in the minor leagues of pitching prospects who are legitimate guys who have a shot to make the majors. So if that's what Chris Getz is going for in some way, to sit there and say, I will try and augment what we already have through the draft, augment what we already got done at the trade deadline last year before I got the job, with 
more guys. And if that's what he's doing, because it's easier to find defense. In some ways, it's easier to find hitting. But to find enough major league arms is a difficult thing unless you want to spend the money. And he knows this gets back to, do you know who your boss is, Chris? Well, that is true because his boss will never – like that's the thing. When I look at the White Sox and I, I look at anything they're going to build here and what they've done in the last couple of decades with Jerry Reinstorf, they don't go out and generally sign that guy who's going to be the number one or number two on your staff. They hope to find that guy develop that guy and have that guy be the guy that they didn't have to spend a lot of money on because they're never going to go out and spend and sign a guy to a seven-year contract. They're never going to give somebody a 10-year deal. They're never going to invest 300 to $350 million into somebody. So it makes sense. What you're saying is you've got to have so much pitching that you can actually find the superstars within your own system. And since let's, let's think about it. If you have 10 really good prospects, if three of them make it to the majors and are everyday guys, that's great. And if one of them becomes a star, that's amazing. And that's probably what the normal return is on prospects. So you're saying you've got to have a, a ton of prospects because you need to find a couple guys like that in your pitching staff. And let's be honest, Noah Schultz is like probably the best one in the bunch right now down there in the minors, and he's only an A-ball. Okay, you just got Nestrini and Eater that you acquired, and both of them will have a shot at your rotation. But it, right now, according to MLB Pipeline, we're talking about guys that are number five and number six right now in the organization as a whole. And so you're right, not a lot of arms that are way up high and ranked, and not a lot of guys showing up on the top 100 list, not a lot of guys that like people are like, that's a can't-miss top-end rotation guy so maybe that makes sense. Maybe the idea of adding more arms, even though I look at it and go, well, do you really need all those arms? You know, you just got a bunch of arms as prospects. We have these needs that we have. We have this, we don't know what is going on at second base. I still am not convinced that anything that you've signed at this point is a long-term solution at that position. You really don't have an answer in right field. You really have a lot of problems in terms of guys that go out, play baseball, get on base, and field the ball properly. You need more of those on your team. So I guess I have tunnel vision for that. Like, that's my ask for Dylan Cease. But what you're saying makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because what I want to see, what I want to see is I want to see the organization have it where Birmingham and Charlotte have rotations that are not filled with, oh, I remember that guy from like five years ago, okay? I want them to be filled with guys, especially at Birmingham, because that seems to be where, where the Sox store their, their top prospects more so than at Charlotte. But I want both of those rotations to have a few guys in them that are even blocked by what's in the majors where we're sitting there going, this guy probably deserves a shot, so he's waiting for an injury or he's waiting for a guy to leave in free agency or he's waiting for them to trade him to get somebody back that can fill out right field or can fill out left field when Benintendi's gone or can fill out you know, third base in a couple of years if you don't have anybody there. Fill out catcher if, if Corey Lee and, and Edgar Caro don't work out. So y- you want to have it so that, that that's where we are, where we're walking into a spring training and we're not just looking at like, okay, like this year we might be looking at Eater and Nestrini, uh, the guy that they got from the Angels whose name escapes me at the moment, but and, and Jared Schuster. Like those guys are going to be guys that are, are competing for rotation spots, which is great, but – they could also end up being three guys that fill out the rotation right now because walking into this, you pretty much have, right now, Cease and Michael Soroka, assuming that he's able to go. 
If you're looking to add insurance to your corporation, let's say you want to make sure that your employees, if it, even if it's a small company, have some insurance, uh, now's the time to reach out to Butch Zemar and Elite Benefits of America. Butch is going to get a, a playbook made up specifically for your business. It's really easy for him to do it. He doesn't even charge you for it. And then he's going to sit there and explain to you, this is what you can do within the budget that you have to, to make things better for your employees, save some money on your end, and, and retain those people that help you get things done on a day-to-day year-to-year basis. If you're getting insurance on your own, if you're insuring just your family and yourself, reach out to Butch as well. He can help you. Uh, look, there's increased premiums every year. There's out-of-pocket expenses that you don't know how to handle sometimes. There's ways these days to go and take care of your medical care that, that are very different than the traditional ways that you may have done it 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Butch can help. Give him a call. Uh, talk to him about it. See what you can do for yourself, for your company. Uh, 708-535-3006 or uh, check out EliteBenefits.net. I, I'm, I'm looking at the White Sox projected payroll right now, and I just see so much room. It, look, I get it. They're not going to be... They're not going to be a top 10 payroll this year. I get that they're not They're not going to be competitive this year. I think that at least that's realistic. Like, imagine if they were just signing bad contracts, right? They're just signing a bunch of a bunch of names that weren't actually going to get you anywhere. And then they're like, we're going to compete. Buy your season tickets. And you're like, now we've got all this dead money. And how are we? We're just in baseball purgatory at that point, right? So I, I, I get that they're not going to spend a lot of money. And I don't, I don't want them to make some haphazard attempt at just being a playoff team with a puncher's chance when you really can flip some things around here, get some young players in here, and legitimately compete in 2025. I also know that with a total active payroll right now, according to Track, of $83 million, you can go sign some players and still be a bottom half payroll and you still probably be within your budget. And I keep looking at what's still available out there, and look, nothing makes me super excited, but you've got to find an outfielder. And I think you still have to address your middle infield position with somebody that can hit the ball and, and you know, possibly still plays defense. I get that the, the onus is and the, the focus is on defense, but there's still a few things that need to be changed here. And I just don't know what is that, what is that thing that opens up the floodgates? Is it trading Aloy? Is it trading Dylan Cease? Is there something here that happens first before Chris Getz starts making more wholesale changes to his lineup. I mean, at least we're not the Cubs right now, right? They haven't done anything. At least at least there's some movement That's true. on this team, right? But there's got to be more, man. Like, I mean, I'm really looking for it this week. Like, go out and get somebody. Go, you know, go out and make a trade. Even if it isn't the big trade that we're talking about with moving on, moving on from Dylan Cease and bringing back a bunch of talent, which is what they seem to want to do. What is that thing that happens next? Is it is it signing a right fielder? What do you think? Well, I, I, some of it, I think, is tied to what they get back in the Dylan Cease trade, right? If they go with the Orioles, for example, and you get an outfielder back from there, somebody that's major league ready, okay, you can sit there and say, all right, well, then I, I don't know that I necessarily need to go out and figure out if I want Eddie Rosario in my outfield for next year or if I want to, you know, take a chance on Tommy Pham or whoever they, they would do that would be in that, that sort of short-term thing. So I, I think there's some of that. And, and then I think some of it, too, is also like with the pitching market, there's probably some offers out that we haven't really heard about, right? Or some feelers out that we haven't heard about. Like, I bet you Lucas Giolito has an idea of what the White Sox would give him to, to come back if you wanted to bring him back, for example. 
Right. I mean, if they liked what Clevenger gave, gave, gave them last year, they may have already kind of spoken to him about this is where we're at. You're right. I think pitching makes more sense. I think pitching is something that they'll sign that, and, and that they have to add to their rotation. I think that makes far more sense that that could happen before a cease deal. But I think you're right about that. I think that in the end, if they think they're going to get back an outfielder of the future, they're not going to go out and spend money on a guy that's going to clog that up. Yeah, you're not going to you're not going to bring in Harrison Bader, you know, well, yeah, well, if you're going like to if, if, if you're going to do that. If you look at the list, look at the list of the outfielders that are out there. Okay, I don't think they're going to go out and spend the money to bring in Teoscar Hernandez. Like I don't think that that's a plan. And I, I don't know that I want Teoscar Hernandez anyway. He's been team. linked. He's already been linked to a couple of teams that seem to be like to have him up on there. We got to go out and get him type thing. So that I don't think that's going to happen. Every other right fielder that's listed on the MLB website right now is a replacement level player in terms of his wins above replacement or, or or a guy who who was somebody a few years back like Adam Duvall or David Peralta who are are just you know they're just guys at this point there's nobody that that really has like a ton of upside you're not in a big hurry unless unless you believe in Austin Meadows right, you're not in a big you know, hurry that's the thing you're not in a big hurry because these are just names they're all just guys that can be just brought in, and one means the same as the other guy. And they could be brought in on minor league deals. Some of these guys. I mean, really, honestly, if if you're sitting here saying, you know, well, uh, you know, AJ Pollock coming back wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Yeah, well, first of all, it might not be the best either. But AJ Pollock might not warrant a major league, uh, a major league ask this year. I mean, he didn't have that great of a past couple of years. Joey Gallo is is you know the spot track has him listed as being worth 14 million i don't think anybody's going to pay him that you know so you've got a lot of guys here who are you know adam duvall at this point is he's just jumping from team to team anybody that'll give him a shot so you're going to have opportunities for an outfielder i think or you know whit merrifield's still out there um (laughs) (laughs) i mean well that's the thing like here's the thing like when I when I look at all the names that are out there, I go, okay, fine. I well, here's what I, here's what I would think if I if I have to put myself in the in in the mindset of Chris Getz in the front office, I think you're right. I think the idea is first off, they want to make the cease deal to see what they get back before they start signing some of these positions. You know, like they 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 have a backup for everything. I think at this point, like worst case scenario, we'll grab a right fielder off of the scrap heap late in the off season. Because they're all pretty much the same thing, right? We'll just we'll just go get an experienced guy to go to go play out there. Because at some point the music's going to stop, and there's still going to be guys looking for a chair. So like we'll find something, even if it's on a minor league deal. I don't think it's Gavin Sheets in the outfield, but I don't think that they're interested in going out and signing somebody to a long term deal and tying up that position based upon what's still available out there. I think they'd rather right. go with somebody younger. Who's out there that you want? Right. And so, and then their middle infield, again, they've got their defensive players that are sitting there, right? they got DeYoung over there. They've got, uh, you know, what's-his-face, Nicky Lopez over there. They've, they've got they've got some, some defensive infielders, and they're like, worst case, this person can play second. Worst case, this person can play short. We'd like to see what we get back in the C-Steel because we may have our starter for the next 10 years coming back in that deal or our hopeful starter in that. So we're not going to go out because if you look at the the depth in the free agency market at second base and shortstop, there is nothing there that you're like, yeah, I want that guy to be there for the next five years. There's nothing there where you can't, you can't wait. No. So you, you know, you may sign somebody else, but again, you're just waiting to see kind of like which replacement level player is still floating around towards the end. And that we think fits what we're looking to do at that point. So you're right. I think, I think the only free agent deal that I see the White Sox making at this point is to add to their rotation where they can sign somebody to a multi-year deal 
and they go, okay, this guy's going to sit somewhere in our rotation. Probably not the ace, probably not the five, sitting somewhere in the middle, adds a little bit of stability while we're trying to figure out which one of these young guys develop. What can Brian Bannister get going here? You know, who's, who's who are they going to like? Who are they going to develop? Where's that all going to fall out? But we're going to need a couple of guys that are just kind of rotation pieces that are going to go out and pitch 160 to 185 innings or something like that that we know we know that we can kind of rely on here. That like That's the free agent move. Otherwise, I think they're just looking to make a deal that brings them back somebody that is a long-term plan at the position. And otherwise, if they get to the end of the offseason and nobody has paid the price that they want for Dylan Cease, Dylan Cease will be starting opening day, and they will go fill in with, with players, and they, they'll be making signings in February for guys that are going to be that are going to be starting for this team. That, that that'll be that's the backup plan because they don't want to commit to anybody that's not a long term thing, and they're not going to give Dylan Cease away. I, I you know I think the best scenario though for the White Sox is that they find I th- I think the best deal they're going to get is going to happen this off season. I I would not go into the into the season worry that Dylan Cease looks more like the Dylan Cease that we saw when he was doing badly last year. All right, because then you're going to lose value on him, and I think the closer he gets to that two years of control running out, value decreases on him as well. I think he's at his top value, and I think you have a game of chicken at this point. Teams that know they want him, know they need him, who don't want to pay the price, and Chris gets pretending like he's just going to keep him for another year. And I think that's pretending, too, because I just don't think you get as good of an offer 365 days from now. I don't think you get as good of an offer at the trade deadline. No, no. It, it's This is this is the time, and everybody sort of knows that, too. But again, there's a game, of, like you said, there's a massive game of chicken going on with Chris Gatz. And it, it's really, chicken may not be the right metaphor. I think this is a poker game, okay? Everybody has a sense that Chris Gatz is holding a winning hand. The question is, is there anybody that can come up with 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 the cards right like the, the, you know the, maybe it's not poker maybe it's even more blackjack right gets is the dealer and gets is showing a 20 the question is does somebody have does somebody have the 21 socks in the basement listeners get out the hailstorm brewing it is an incredible brewery and the official brewery of socks in the basement located in tinley park at 8060 186th street right off of 80th avenue they got a scratch kitchen that is open from 11 a.m for lunch Tuesday through Sunday and then goes into the evening because, you know, after you have a couple craft beers, you want something to eat. And, and the food is really, really good. They've got uh, live music on the weekends. Uh, they got the tap room. They've got the big giant German beer hall. Uh, they've got the working brewery where you can see what they're doing. You got a brewer in Will Turner that's walking around constantly. And he's always like, hey, you. You like beer? You want to try something new that I have? I mean, it is a brewing experience when you're there. I want you to check out everything they have to offer at hailstormbrewing.com. Okay, so as we're talking about what the Sox haven't done yet, is there anybody whose offseason has gone the way you wish Chris Getz would have taken the offseason so far? Yeah, I want to be the Dodgers. (laughs) (laughs) That's easy enough, right? But here's the thing. You're right. There's a lot of Major League Baseball teams that have done nothing. It's. I mean, they really haven't done anything. And and there's a lot of Major League Baseball teams that I think are like disappointing their fan base. You know, I I, I always I bring them up all the time because we got a guy on the, on this network who runs a Pirates podcast that I'll jump on and talk with. Not this week because I was like I have, I don't even know what's going on with your team. I need a break. It's the holidays. But the the Bucks in the Basement podcast covering the Pittsburgh Pirates, and and their off season isn't going the way that they expected it to go either. Right? They brought back Andrew McCutcheon because the owner loves him. 
It's like one of those things. Like where, and Martin Perez. Where, so where are you going to put? Congratulations this guy? on that. The one. Perez thing, I think they did it because they they need to start having some pitchers that they know that they. Oh yeah. You know they're going to sit in their rotation, but I mean, they're. I'm glad that I don't have the names that they've gone out and gotten and put in their rotation. Like I I don't want Martin Perez. Uh, I'm glad that I don't have uh, what's his face from Seattle that they brought over there, Gonzalez. They get they got him right. What was his what is, what is his name? Why can't I why can't I not remember his name? They they picked him up in a trade. He went to the Braves. And then after that, he was Marco Gonzalez. Marco yeah. Gonzalez, right? A couple of years ago, I'd want Marco Gonzalez. I wouldn't want him now. Okay. No, and clearly neither did the Mariners, neither did the Braves. Right, exactly. So, so I mean, like that, that's the thing. Like I, I've looked at what a lot of other teams are doing in this off season, and there's a lot of them where I think every fan base, unless you are a Dodger fan, is like, what are we doing here? You know? Right. I, I, I really believe. That. I think that if you're if you're a Dodgers fan, you're excited. You're like, we get everything we want. You know, Shohei's dropping off Porsches to our relief pitchers' wives. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, good for you. Yeah, Joe Kelly. First of all, can we talk about Joe Kelly? Sure. And, like, as a White Sox fan, how much he annoys me. Like, I, like think about this. Like, I thought that guy was the coolest guy in the world. You know, he hit, uh, hit Carlos Correa and made the sad face. You know, he dresses up as a matador. Just for no reason except to dress up like a matador. Just to yeah, just you know? to, to mess with people. Got, right. Got it got his own podcast. He's a smart ass. He's coming to the south side. I'm like, this guy's gonna be great. Shows up injured, never really puts it together, never really does anything that makes me like ecstatic to have him there. Felt like a giant waste of money. And all he gets to do at the end is go back to LA where he loves being in the first place and be part of a super team where he hands over his number seventeen and his wife gets a Porsche. So Shohei Otani arguably the greatest baseball player to ever live can sit there and be his teammate. I mean, Joe Kelly, Some I, I look at the Joe Kelly thing as a White Sox fan, and it's just like I want to punch something. I don't know if it's Joe Kelly's face or if it's like a wall or if it's Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn for like just why did we give him all that money and what good was it? And he just ended up going back where he was. But every time I see the exploits of Joe Kelly, I sit there and I say, there's a guy that I was excited to have on my team who never really had any impact on my team, really had a negative impact in the small amount of time that he was out there. There were several times where I was like, this guy, what is he doing out there? Like he had forgotten how to pitch at one point. And and now he's right back with the Dodgers on a super team, living in sunny California, got a brand new Porsche for his wife. He didn't even have to buy her anything for Christmas. Shohei bought it for her. He's living the life, you know, wrote a book. I mean, like that guy's living a life. And I'm like, man, he did not work out for me, though. Do, like, do you think I'm the only White Sox fan that hears Joe's, Joe Kelly's name and kind of cringes and goes, ah, oh, that guy? No, I honestly Man. I honestly think that going back since since the, the, the Rick Hahn fold and, and, and redo as whatever rebuild he wanted to whatever, – whatever craptacular thing he decided to do to this franchise, I think every single major league free agent brought here under the Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams regime – when Han was the GM, I think it's going to be cringeworthy for White Sox fans for years to come because we can look at the exploits of Yasmani Grandal, who has one of the weirdest offensive years ever by anybody because he, he doesn't hit anything except home runs and, and take walks for, for an entire season. We have the whole Dallas Keuchel, I'm the greatest pitcher in baseball thing, or I'm the best pitcher on this team anyway, and, and look where he is now. We have Joe Kelly. You have... Kendall Graveman to a certain degree, you, you know, really other than Liam Hendricks, who if he hadn't gotten cancer and gotten his arm hurt, would have probably 
gone down as, as a guy that the Sox would have maybe wanted to even hold on to just for the goodwill alone of having him on the team. Really, there's nobody that you can tell me that they've brought in since taking the team apart that everyone's going to sit here and love. Because even Andrew Benintendi, who I don't necessarily have a problem with. Yeah, but a lot of people don't like him. A lot of people hate him. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people don't like him. They don't like the deal. A lot of and people, they're really not going to love Paul DeYoung or, or Nicky Lopez. So I know. think people don't like the Andrew Benintendi thing because of the amount of money. I think in another market, people just go, oh, okay, we gave that guy $15 million over, right? Really, honestly, if, if he was on the Pirates, would you guys even be talking about his no, contract on Bucks no, in the basement? I don't think that. It, like, that's the thing. It's, it's it, right. And that's but, the but Pirates. Here's the thing. Like, I, I think that White Sox fans look at the amount of money he got paid compared to what they've watched on the South Side. And there's a section of White Sox fans who think that he's he's grossly overpaid. When in reality, that's the kind of deal you should be making almost every year with somebody to get the guy in that you want to get in. Did he work out real well last year? No, but I mean, I I think he takes a I think he takes an awful lot of grief. And trust me, he deserves some of it. I mean, there were a couple times he just dropped the baseball in the outfield, and I was like, what is that? Right? Uh, yeah, that was like what, that was what is he doing there? But there were also times where I I felt for the majority of last year he should have been a guy that was up at the top of your lineup. Because Tim Anderson wasn't getting it done, and he was at least giving you something to work with up there at the top of the lineup. So he did have some value. I think it'll be different this year when he's the leadoff. Well, I think on a good team, he's a guy you really appreciate. But I think when everything's going bad, he's just another guy that you go and you blame things on. So I'm really curious as to what his career with the Sox will be like for the next four years if he if he if he plays out that entire contract with the team. You bring up um, you bring up Grandal, and I had to I had to look at the catchers that were signed this offseason. Because I know he hasn't gotten anything yet. I mean, my how how the mighty have fallen, Yasmani Grandal. Remember what a what a big pickup that was for the for the White Sox, right? Like he didn't oh, retire yeah. from baseball. Just nobody's interested. And I find that to, I find that to be just so interesting. Like he you would think he's going to end up somewhere, but I mean he's going to have to swallow his pride a little bit because I don't think anybody's going to give him any money. No, it'll be interesting to see what happens to Yasmani Grandal. Well, I also find it really interesting when you look at some of the names that are sitting out there in free agency, and I haven't heard like a sniff, like, oh, these three teams are, are asking about this guy, or, you know, there's, 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 you know, like, I haven't heard anything about TA. No. Right? Have you heard any, any team interested in Tim Anderson? I haven't heard a, I haven't heard a peep about Tim Anderson being signed. Not a peep about him. There's four guys that have come off the board at the shortstop position, according to MLB.com, that, but, but Tim, An- I haven't heard a thing about Tim Anderson floating around out there. So I mean there's some name there's other names that are out there. You know, I mean there's there's different guys that are kind of that are kind of still out there in the, in the in in the in the free agency market that I would think teams really want. Like like Reese Hoskins is somebody that somebody wants at first base. Absolutely. Okay? Yeah. I haven't seen anything happen. I would think Matt Chapman's getting signed by somebody and he's going to make a lot of money, but I haven't seen it really kind of floating around out there as to what's going to happen with him. Justin Turner as well. Another guy that, like, you figure somebody's going to sign him and pay him some money. Yeah, and, and you, you, know? you haven't heard a whole lot about them, or you know, and, and there's a lot of there's a lot of pitchers that fall under that that you figure are going to end up on a team somewhere. But I mean, I'm surprised that Lucas Giolito. I mean, I know Lucas Giolito had had some rough patches there, and maybe the maybe the book really on him is well, if he's not with the White Sox, he's no good. Well, in, in which case, in which case, then then he might be in. He, he's going to be a White Sox. He, he might be involved like, in that blackjack game. Like he's going yeah. to be signed with the White Sox. You watch. Like by by the end of the year, he'll be back. Like that could be that could be his problem. Right I, now you know what? I, I wouldn't. I mean, if he pitches like he did when he was with the Sox, I wouldn't have a problem with that. As long as nobody sits there and goes, "Well, he's our ace." Mm. No, 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 no. And that's the other thing. I think that there's guys like him that are out there that are they're going to get to a point where they're going to be like, "Fine, I just like to to pitch for a year, maybe a year and an option, and try to rebuild myself because I want to go make money." And so a lot of that's got to get sorted out. But I I do believe. The Sox are going to sign 
somebody, I would think very soon, hopefully over the next couple of weeks, that they're going to end today rotation. And then we're just sitting around waiting to see when the trigger gets pulled on Dylan Cease and possibly Aloya Menace. All right. And then after that, you'll see them fill everything in. And if they don't pull that trigger, they're going to be one of those teams. It's like pitchers and catchers are going to be reporting and we're still going to have signings to make. And, and because in the end, they're just going to be like, okay, pick, pick a name out of this hat over here of guys that are replacement level because we need to fill our team out, which will be very disappointing. So, you know, hopefully he gets, hopefully Chris Getz gets a deal he can live with. Because I really think that's the whole thing. Everything's being held up by the idea that Chris Getz has to get a deal that he's happy with. To which, after he makes the deal, everybody will be unhappy with. <laughs> yeah, he'll learn that very, very quickly. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.